And welcome in to episode 25 of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Mr. Ben Metz right there. And uh, we're excited to be here. Third week in a row, back on the back on the grind a little bit. Uh, and this time, Ben, we get to say it as Citrus Bowl champions. Uh, the Cheez-It Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the cheesy oranges. I don't know what you call it. But we are the champions defeating Iowa. And, and honestly, I expected a good win. But a shutout fashion, thirty-five to nothing. There, um, I don't know what to say. I, I think we we played well. I think there's some good things to talk about. But I don't I don't know. I think the little Rebs might have scored fourteen on Iowa. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of hype going into the game about Iowa's defense, and throughout the week we found out that Nico was going to quarterback for us. Nico had a stellar performance. Um, we also had some good performances by our defense. So just an exciting win uh, for the Tennessee Vols, man. Yeah, and really, you, you talked about Nico. You know, I think in, in a 35 to nothing game, you, you really want to talk a little bit about that defense and how they were able to shut out a, a, a power five football team. But really, what you saw from Nico Iamaliava, I think I got that <laughs> right. Uh, he is he, He's exceptional. Uh, you talk about what what the difference between he and Joe Milton. People talk about the differences between Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. To me, it's an amazing dynamic because he's taller than Hendon Hooker, but he probably at least shows the signs of all the attributes physically, mentally uh, that he that he gave us for a couple years here on Rocky Top. So. Love what Nico looked like in an entry-level approach. They didn't ask him to push it down the field a whole lot, but he really didn't need to. Was able to use his legs. Seemed to make some good decisions from time to time. I think uh, the only, the only, I guess, critique I would give him is, uh, and I think you're going to speak to this probably, is maybe not uh, lean into some of those hits as much, especially late in the football game. And then ultimately, going to have to speed that pocket clock up uh, when it starts to collapse, you got to extend the pocket, see what you can do from there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm very excited about Nico. Um, I haven't been this excited about a Tennessee quarterback in a long time. Uh, I remember when Casey Clawson first started, and I got really excited uh, when he came in as a freshman um, and had a stellar career, especially against Florida. But uh, yeah, Nico had six sacks in the. There were six sacks in the ball game on Nico. Uh, that was the concern. That was that. That's the concern area. Um, I think fans uh, they need to be cautious and and kind of be patient with Nico uh, because he's he's not making poor decisions in passing the football. Um, I really was impressed with the rollout and the pass to the sideline to Ramel Caton. Um, you know that was an exceptional pass that I feel Joe Milton probably would have thrown it three rows back. Uh, he he throws it only where Ramel Caton can come down with the football, get a foot in bounds, and look, fifty yards rushing during the ball game. Uh, he had the, uh, I think it was a nineteen-yard touchdown run. Yeah, it was a nineteen-yard touchdown run in the second quarter, followed by that other that next touchdown run that we had to go up fourteen to nothing, where he he kind of scoots across the goal line, waits for the opening to happen between the linebacker and the corner and then splits and makes a nice touchdown. So 
just very excited about his ability to run, his ability to to put the pass only where the receiver can get it. So uh, yeah, excited excited for the future, brother. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thing that we haven't seen for a few months. It's called touch. I think he has a little bit of that <laughs> that he can bring to the table. Uh, did did like Cam Seldon. I thought the running back, uh, the freshman there, kind of went into that backup role behind uh, Dylan Sampson. Not that Sampson looked bad. He had some he had some explosive runs here and there. But I think Cam Seldon showed you that at six two two twenty five, he can definitely be a uh, a replacement. For Jalen Wright, obviously, time will tell if he can live up to that level of play. But uh, with Jalen declaring for the draft, Jabari Small declaring for the draft, I think uh, those two are going to be in in nice position. You got the Peyton Lewis kid that we just signed, so he he, he could step in there at the three. Uh, and then really everything else, I thought there were some drops early by Keaton and a couple other guys. But ultimately, they were playing some young wide receivers because of injuries and because of other things. Uh, I thought it was good to see the continuity between Squirrel and Nico. I thought that that's going to play heavy going into next year. Uh, but then ultimately, uh, seeing some of those other guys young playing as well. thought the offensive line probably uh, had their hands full because I think ultimately when you don't have a lot of tape on a kid, what are you going to do to him? He's a freshman. You're going to try to get after him. So I think they really uh, tried to pound that line of scrimmage and try to get to him. They did six times, but, I mean, ultimately it wasn't enough to, to really slow down the performance. Still a 35-point output. Uh, he played basically the entire game. So, um, yeah, I, I think offensively, I would probably grade. I would probably grade it at an A minus. I don't. I don't know that I give it a whole lot. And the only reason he got the minus is because of the sacks. I mean, it's it. That's the only caveat that I would say you probably could clean that up. Six times on your back's not a good idea. Yeah, it's not. But he's, you know, and you and I talked about it off air about we just need to be patient. That's something that we can expect as as a freshman quarterback that those mistakes may may arise. Uh, now, a couple of units that I split it. I would probably split the blame too. I, I think there was probably at least two of the sacks that were on him from holding the ball a little bit too long. There was a couple where it was just a jailhouse, probably about seven of their guys on five of our guys. It's just never going to win most times. Uh, and then, uh, and, and then, you know, there was a couple times to where it was just, you know, kind of coverage sacks type. He, he was wanting to extend or he tried to step up and really his guy got pushed over on him or different things. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's okay if you're not outside. I mean, we don't want to see this happen frequently, but we'd rather have a healthy quarterback. I think it's okay in situations where you are you have that bull rush in between the guards and centers and you got multiple backers coming into the backfield. If you try to get outside the tackle box, try to get the ball past the line of scrimmage. If you can't, take the penalty – Prevent yourself from getting injured. Football, even in the game of uh, professional football, that's in the best interest of the quarterback. Um, yeah. But a couple of units that I, I want to share, kind of uh, a couple of units that I was impressed with as well, when you talked about the offensive line struggling a little bit. Now, that happened on both sides of the ball because I, you know, Iowa gave up five sacks as well. So our defensive line had good pass rush. Tyree West and James Pierce both with you know, a sack and a half there. But how about the secondary? I looked at a stat today. 
Gabe Judy Lolly led the team in tackles with five, followed by Jeremiah T. Lander with five. Jalen McCullough was third in tackles with four. So the defensive back issue we talked about last week, I'm kind of curious from your perspective and even from a fan's perspective, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, all these defensive backs hit the portal. And is this is this a reflection? Is the performance that we just saw, is that a reflection of there really was problems and Coach Willie Martinez was trying to and, and trying to maybe clear clean out some of the problems that we were having? Or were there really guys in the secondary that were being coached improperly? I don't know. I mean, it's it was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, you know, of course we we don't only talk about it. We listen to other outlets, and and I think there's a there is a um, magic school bus, Santa Claus's bag, whatever you want to call it. There's a mixed bag of of descriptions of what's going on in that secondary. I'll say I don't know that Monday is a descriptive is an out is is a game that I would grade us on in the secondary, and it's because. You, you talked about it. Two of the three leaders in tackles were the secondary guys. That tells me he was – they were flat out playing him, for the lack of a better term, that Eric Berry-style safety. They were walking him up to the line of scrimmage. They knew they weren't going to throw over our heads. If they did, they were 35 points down pretty quick-like. And so, to me, um, I think it's indicative of what I was, was giving us. Neither of the quarterbacks that they rolled out there had the arm to throw it deep. That one guy – I'm not sure he wasn't supposed to be a nose tackle. He was huge. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and ideally, uh, I think when you do that, when the field basically shrinks by a third, it's easier to play defense. It's no different than when you get in the in the red zone or when you get to the goal line. It's amazing how lanes get skinny and how receivers don't get open, don't get wide open in the in the end zone, you know, right there on the goal line. And I think what happened was we were able to put basically 11 guys in about a 10-yard window and uh, just force them to do something they couldn't do, hadn't done all year, and that's, uh, you know, that's to throw it downfield. So, Yeah, hats off to the pass rush uh, because you mentioned it, Deacon Hill. I tell you what, they got that saying, throwing thrown out of a well. He was thrown out of a canyon, buddy. I mean, the, yeah, I the longest – yeah. I mean, yeah, he the longest pass he threw was a 14-yard pass and they only got 41 yards uh, after the catch on the whole ball game as a receiving unit. So now I did, tell you, man, did Linus throw that pick six or was it Hill? Uh, let's I think see. Think it might have been Hill's last throw. <laughs> yeah, could have been. Yeah. Well, I was going to say if you count that one, that may be his longest throw cuz I mean, Pierce Jr <laughs> got yards after catch, right? That's right, man. We can catch. Hey, let's. Hey, yeah, let's. Hey, let's take mark it all that one up. Year, right. So I saw yeah. today uh, the thirty-five points Tennessee put on them was the most points scored against them all season. Uh, so that's a. I think that's a tribute to what we were able to do offensively. But kind of to flip script to the defense. Yeah, I want to give some shout outs there as well. Uh, Pierce Jr. Uh, I'd keep him on the payroll too. I think Coach Hype and company uh, did the right thing, getting him some NIL money, getting him paid. Uh, because ultimately, with the pick six, with the the big time tackles for losses, uh, he made himself some money, as they say, on on Monday evening. Uh, also, uh, talk about Gabe Judy Lolly. Uh, he played a vast majority of that football game. Not sure that he's a super high draft pick, but I think the way he was able to play, the aggressive nature in which he attacked, 
Uh, that's going to help his draft stock. I think he'll need a good pro day uh, to get that up a little bit. And then Jalen McCullough uh, made that final start for his time at Tennessee. I think it was 51 starts or 51 games played, uh, which broke the record. Uh, I think previously held uh, – I had his name right there. I, I can't remember. I want to say Todd Kelly Jr., but it's probably not him. But, uh, again, Jalen McCullough – is a guy who who's kind of been through it, if you think about it. They call him Tank. Uh, Jalen Tank McCullough was on his little post that where he declared for the draft. And ultimately, uh, he's been through a lot. He started with Pruitt, uh, kind of went through the end of that deal, as rough as that was. And then ultimately, you know, Heupel's kind of turned the corner a little bit and been able to find uh, find a use for him. And ultimately, he's a tough kid. He's a local kid, so you got to love what you get there. And then um, just wish him the best. But I, I thought defensively all the way around, uh, you, you, you understand why we paid Pierce. I think you understand the impact that Beasley can continue to have. I think you can see some of those defensive backs that we played uh, that maybe we're seeing why some of these guys felt like they didn't have a spot going into 24. Yeah, and you talked about McCullough. You talked about a T- uh, little bit about uh, Judy Lolly, and uh, and I'm just to add Tealander. But in the zone coverage, when they would cut across the middle, do a hitch route, they didn't allow uh, a lot of separation. They didn't allow a lot of space for those receivers to make catches. And they had the ability to get their hands in front of the receiver while trying to catch football. Um, so I was really impressed with the secondary. Again, only only two first downs by Iowa through through passing passing first downs. Um, Eleven first downs in the ball game for Iowa. One hundred and thirteen rushing yards on thirty six attempts. So just a great job up front. Uh, by the defense, and then in the secondary, good job defending the pass. And, you know, we had heard heard coming into the game, I think the term was that Iowa's offense is anemic, um, that they struggle to to generate um, points, and they rely on their defense to create opportunities. Um, So, you know, after the first quarter, you know, that was the thing about the ball game, is after the first quarter, it was zero to zero. So it it was kind of one of those where the the ball was being – switch from possession to possession in the middle of the field and we were waiting for somebody to break through in the second quarter nico uh, really came on strong with those two touchdowns yeah i think iowa fans had to be honestly had to be excited when you're you're going against a team that scores 30 plus every game honestly typically going at, previous to this season when when hendon hooker was our quarterback uh, we scored the majority of our points in the first quarter. So starting fast was always a calling card. And when you hold us to zero, you had to feel good going in that second quarter. But quickly, Nico put that to bed. So they threw for, for 60 yards on the day, Ben. And uh, looking at the stat, 7 of 18 was Hill for 56 yards, 3.1 yards per attempt. And Linus, which I made fun of that all day, I was like, I thought he was the guy with the blanket on Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his his yards per attempt was 0.6 yards per attempt. He was two of seven for four big old yards. So, uh, yeah, a, not a good day for him, but ultimately it's a good day for our defense. And, again, carry some momentum into 2024. And I think ultimately we talked about it a little bit. You heard it from another outlet that uh, – Josh Heupel's got him a little bit of tape now that he can carry in these offensive skills, position player rooms, and say, listen, 
This is who can deliver you the football. This is who can hand you the football. This is who you could be protecting and, and ultimately can sell that pretty well. And then I think, I think even though I, we've talked about it often and I believe it's hard to be a defensive coach in a Josh Heupel system. And I just believe that. Uh, I think you can look at defenders and say, you see how much, how quickly this team could put up points, how quickly you could have a, uh, a tired football team on your hands and, and get you some stats and do some different things. So I think, I, I think there's no way that this, this bowl game film doesn't help us in the recruiting trail, uh, in the projections for next season. I would, as I always do, uh, I would caution Tennessee fans uh, not to blow the roof off this thing, but I do think I, I'm excited about what it looks like. Yeah. And my final, uh, my final point I want to bring up about the game that really got me excited. I know it got you excited. We talked a little bit about this. And I think as a fan base, we all we all jumped or we, we were just thrilled to see a quarterback snap the football from under center. Um, we haven't seen in a while. We found out when that started to happen, when Heupel was very comfortable making that call, you know, you still have Cooper Mays there. So it's not Joe Milton. It's not Hannon Hooker. Cooper Mace is still snapping the football. You just have a different quarterback. So I think that speaks to the athleticism that Nico has. Nico has that athleticism. He has that uh, that ability to take a ball from under center, which is going to help us. Um, we were uh, three of 12 on third downs in that ball game, uh, two of two on fourth downs. And, and you want to see that number – you want, to, you want to close that gap a little bit. And we're going to have those short yardage situations. And right. we all remember we all remember some of the missed opportunities that we had on fourth and short, third and short, where Milton's taking the snap from five yards back. And we're getting stopped a yard short of the first down because sure. we went five yards back to gain one yard. So right. that was refreshing to see. It's not Hypel. It is Hypel identifying a quarterback that can't do it versus a quarterback that can do it. Right. And, and, and one last thing, and, and I think it's just, it's worth mentioning because it's, it's the talk of the town, right? Willie Martinez, defensive backs, the way he coaches, the way he doesn't coach, however you view that topic. Um, to me, uh, we talked today and, and, and I don't want to, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I don't do camps. I'm not a defensive back guru, but I did have a thought today and I thought I thought we put it together that it's not a bad thought is ultimately you know we think that's the way Willie Martinez is coaching these kids keep your eyes on their face when you see them turn put your hands up and yeah, ultimately I, I, don't, don't play the ball right is what we're, we're getting at right but with the mass exodus you know and everybody's saying well Hopple's not doing anything Hopple's not making a change Hopple's not doing anything um you can go back and forth on should he put hands on the defensive back? Should he make a change? Uh, is he talking to Willie Martinez or Tim Banks? Who knows? But, I, you know, one question I had is because athletically, I mean, I don't think there's any any question that we give up a little of athleticism on the back end. Uh, our, our fastest players are not defensive backs, which in a lot of, in a lot of teams, there's a good amount of speed at the defensive back position. Um, when you track somebody, then do you run, do you run faster this way or like this? That way 
you run better this way. So what are you giving up, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, athletically by playing the ball? Are you losing ground you can't make up? Are you you losing ground you can't make up? And and these teams that understand because we don't play – I mean, we we don't play any – cupcakes i mean we we play the standard amount that everybody else does but our conference games the ones that get you where you want to be uh every one of those have the ability to to stretch the field and so to me to put it just simply i think we're willing to give up 15 to save 40 yeah i think you made an excellent point today that i i didn't even think about and and i played defensive back and the one the one possessive the one um, valuable item you possess as a defensive back that you cannot forfeit. The one commodity you have is space. So to your point, if you run this way, you're willing to give up space. You're willing to give up space. If you're running with your eyes on the receiver, you're not willing to give up that space, that valuable commodity that you have. Now, I think it, that you know, part of the point you made too was we have we have I think statistically the best pass rush up front in the SEC. That at one point that was a statistic that we had. We were we were one of the best teams in the SEC with the pass rush. So an offense obviously is going to have a slot receiver doing a five yard slant, you know, a five yard curl, um, a pass out in the perimeter, a bubble route. Because they know the pressure's coming. They know the blitz is coming. So, obviously, a defensive back coach is going to say, do not give up any space when the ball is snapped. So, the only way to coach that is keep your eyes on the receiver and you line up and keep your eyes on the receiver. So, I think, to your point, Wayne, I think that uh, people need to know or need to feel confident that Coach Heupel is aware that that is being coached, but there may be a reason why that was being coached, um, and 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 may that and that may change. We've got a lot of guys that are coming on board that are that have more speed, um, so that may be something that he he has looked at and says, you know what, we need guys that are quick. We need guys that can keep up with these fast SEC receivers, um, and that might have to do with the turnover that we're seeing and. Uh, you know, some of the changes we saw in the bowl game. But I, I thought it was a really well, good point, my friend. Yeah, and I think with the portal, we're, we're going to be able to – because we have film of them doing it the other way now in, in a lot of cases. And so, to me, uh, if if they change to, to Willie Martinez's method or Tim Banks's method and uh, we see a decline, then then ultimately uh, just, just fast forward through the last about three minutes of this conversation. But uh, – <laughs> But anyway, I'm excited. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a cup half full guy when it comes to Tennessee. Anything uh, I feel like uh, if you live through the Dooley years, if you live through the the Kiffin year, you you saw a couch burn on campus. You can make it anything. So I'm pretty tough when it comes to that. But I do think there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, we've got a really good football coach. Uh, I think Watson Brown said it best today. Uh, it it is it's the hardest climb from that 9-10 win window to the to the elite, to the 11, 12, and 13 win season. So uh, is Josh Heupel the guy that can do it? Can he get us there? Um, you got to believe he is. He's our guy. It's like Sterling Hinton says, never bet against the Vols when they haven't snapped the ball yet. But uh, I just say be happy 
uh, start. Uh, I, I'm giving it this week. I'm 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 Citrus Bowl champ this week. Uh, next week I'll be uh, I'll be a barnstormer or, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I'll I'll turn basketball on starting next week. I watched the game last night, but uh, again, my heart's with football for another week. Uh, but Ben, a lot of other bowl games kind of happened there this this past week. Obviously, the playoff games, and those are where we'll spend the bulk of our our day. The SEC's played nine football games now. They've they've gotten their their feel of the initial run, and actually are complete now. Uh, SEC finished five and four. Uh, the last day went two and one. Uh, of course, Tennessee wins. Uh, LSU came back and won. Uh, I tell you that Luke Fickle, he's a He's a fickle guy. He can he can definitely get them playing hard, and uh, so LSU gets that win, and then of course Alabama drops the uh, semifinal matchup to Michigan. But uh, but man, what a what a bowl season! You know, I, I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. Bowl season isn't what it used to be. Uh, it's still football though, and, and I enjoyed that facet of it. Seeing different teams, obviously that I don't follow on a regular basis. Uh, but I'll say it like Kirby Smart said it. Uh, college football's got to understand what they want out of this thing. Uh, they've got to understand that they are not getting the product that the regular season afforded these teams because of opt-outs, because of transfer portal, because of all that and, and, a, and a lot more. But ultimately, um, it's still football. It's still the bowl season. I still had – I ate way too much. Um <laughs> And maybe enjoyed it a little bit too much, but uh, but Ben, uh, stepping into the playoff games, we'll start with the Alabama Michigan game. Um, I, I'd say those players, even even few days removed, uh, they're still feeling it on both sides of the football. Obviously, it's bruises you'll love to take if you're a Michigan Wolverine today, but uh, Alabama probably as as dominant of a performance physically as I've seen probably since. I'm trying to think of the last team, maybe one of those LSU teams that beat Alabama, just defensively making them earn every inch that they got there Monday night. Uh, just a just a really nice performance by Michigan. And, you know, you kind of got to tip your hat to them. They did it the hard way. They've lost a bunch of games really close. Then they started winning ugly. And then Monday night, they, they kind of crossed that threshold that had been unbreakable for a number of years their first three attempts and uh, get to a championship game yeah tale of two halves that's that that was the alabama michigan game so uh very similar to us michigan i think went in the locker room and what i noticed was that that jim harbaugh did not make uh and i think herb street even alluded to this uh well into the third quarter early in the fourth quarter he didn't see a lot of adjustments on Michigan's side of the ball after the first half, and he saw a lot of adjustments by Alabama in the second half. So 10 to 13 going to the locker room, and then outscored in the second half. Alabama ties it 20 to 20, goes in goes into overtime. We saw the 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 outcome in overtime. I think I think the difference in the ball game, um, I think you had two really good quarterbacks in Milrow and McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy had three touchdowns, Milrow had zero. Uh, Milrow had a turnover. McCarthy did not. Um, uh, so I think that was, you know, better quarterback play overall went to McC- it was it went to McCarthy. Milrow right. had his moments. He, you know, um, no touchdown passes. I think I said that. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
you know, I may, I may argue that the, the offensive line play at Alabama let him down a little bit, uh, uh and, and no, no knock on any of the, uh, any of the guys specifically on the offensive line, but, uh, there's a lot to be said, and this is coming from, from, a a, 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 a kid that has played for coach Charlie, <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's hard to, to do what you, what you need to do when you don't know where the ball is coming from. Uh, when you don't trust that dynamic of the play and ultimately was the undoing uh, low snap made Milrose head go down. And then mm-hmm. when he looked up, he had a, he had a Wolverine to the left, a Wolverine to the right. And the only place he had to go was straight ahead forward. And it was full of amazing blue as well. So to me, to me, uh, I, I don't think Milro had his best game. I, I will absolutely say that he overthrew some things that, that typically was there. Um, I thought I thought they did a good job, Michigan. That is of kind of stoving up the run game and, and kind of forcing that outside shot. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Alabama is still a, a really good football team. Uh, Michigan just had a better day, and I will always say, um, never underestimate the dog that's been kicked a couple times. Mm-hmm. I mean, and point blank, Michigan for the last two years uh, has have watched first first year it was it was ungodly they got smoked they got trashed i mean it was bad (laughs) last year it's the tcu they were kind of the washington of a year ago where they were very much uh, they didn't win pretty but they won and true to form uh tcu got them last year i thought it was real indicative of it was it was kind of Tim Tebow-esque how J.J. McCarthy stood out there and watched the TCU <laughs> celebration last year uh, just to understand that that hurt and kind of make it make that statement, you know, I guarantee that we're going to be back. I don't know that he did it Joe Namath, Namath style with a fur coat or anything, but um, very much um, took that team on his shoulders between he, Blake Corum, and a lot of those defensive players, uh, there's a lot of NFL players on that football team, but I think the the facet that won the game for them was they never blinked. They never they never expected to lose. They never thought they were going to lose. They came out here, and if this was going to be the end, it was going to be one heck of a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned Blake Corum. Um, I think he had an exceptional ball game. Uh, the, the statistics on him, you know, only had 90 yards rushing against Alabama, but uh, the big touchdown for him was in overtime. He had that 17-yard touchdown rush uh, to put Michigan ahead, put the pressure on Alabama to score. And you talked about it. Uh, Nick Saban said after the game in his press conference, he had three plays. First play, uh, they had a good look. Michigan caught it. Michigan called timeout. He said, second play, we had a bad look. We called timeout. (laughs) So he said that left the third play. And the third play is a two-yard quarterback draw and just not – he said not properly executed uh, to some degree. He said it just was not properly executed. Uh, He did say it wasn't a a great call either. Um, But, uh, uh, you know – when you enter, when the interview happened with Milrow after the game, Milrow basically said, "Whenever you're given the opportunity to have the ball in your hands to win a ball game, 
in that situation, he said, you want it. So Milrow kind of supported the coaching staff and said, you know, we just didn't execute. I wanted the ball. I was okay with the play call. Um, but at yeah. the end of the day, yeah, it was a. Yeah, and Mil Milrow had to he had to do a lot in that in that football game. He he was second on the team in rushing, only about twenty five yards behind McClellan. He rushed twenty one times for sixty three yards. I think some of those were just cleanups from bad snaps and cleanup from uh just nothing being open. So uh, you know, he, he kind of was running for his life a good bit of the night. Uh but you look at him, 16 of 23, 116 yards, just unable to get one in the end zone. Uh, and, and like I said, a lot of short passes, so that's where the efficiency, that number gets elevated pretty quick when you throw the short pass. The best way I can put it on that last play, it was uh, fourth down on the three-yard line. I use a golf analogy. This was 112 yards out from the flag, Okay. You can't use your pitching wedge, and you can't use the. You can't go to your your gap. You can't go to that nine iron. You're in between clubs, and you got to pick one and hope you hit the green. So the reason why I use that analogy is most football coaches and and Saban talk talk to this a little bit is you have a two yard play, you have a two point conversion play. And you have maybe three or four plays that you practice on a regular basis that get you those two yards. He had that two-yard play. He had three of them. And he went with the last one that he had that was a two-yard play. And he said, we didn't get the we didn't get the yardage. So you got the two-yard play. Then you got the five-yard play. All these coaches have a five-yard play. And then you go into your 10-yard plays and, and back more towards the deep end sure, or the back sure. end, the back end of the defense. So I think it really was, uh, you know, you're you're 112 yards out from the flag and you missed the green, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, um, you know, they kind of put the nail on the 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 SEC's bowl season. Uh, like I said, five and four. I think we're going to finish somewhere tied for like third or something among uh, conferences. Uh, but had nine teams in, and I don't think a single one of them played before like the 28th. So uh, that just tells you, you know, most of us in, in pretty quality bowls. So pretty good showing by the Southeastern Conference. But uh, so that was they were waiting on who were they were going to play at that point. Didn't know uh, the results of the uh, the, the Sugar Bowl. Um, and so that was going to be Washington. And uh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right there, but it was going to be Washington and Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why. That's why. But, uh, anyway, Texas, old Steve Sarkeesian, you know, you know, Texas fans, they, they do a lot for me. Uh, they just give me a lot of, of information, give me a lot of, uh, stuff to work with, but, uh, hook them horns. We're back. Matthew McConaughey there, Bevo. I thought it was pretty funny. One of the, I think it was a Washington, like a Twitter guy or troll or whatever you want to call him. Uh, he, uh, he put a picture of Bevo on uh, on twitter and said look another edible mascot i was like i was like well i said when you get down to that rate which ones aren't but anyway uh moving on uh, uh but the second game was was it couldn't have been any more different from a physical nature from a style of play standpoint from a 
I mean, frankly, from a star power standpoint, and maybe I'm maybe I'm selling it short a little bit, but Michael Penix Jr. I think uh, you know there's a reason why even even Butch Jones could hit the nail on that head, uh, and Jeremy Pruitt just wasn't smart enough to pick pick it up. But uh, that's a that's a note for a different day. But <laughs> on the Texas side of things, Quinn Ewer, um, normal, just a just kind of a a normal guy I thought he got hurt there at the end. I thought it was going to be a bright spot to get to see Arch Manning roll in there. Um, I thought Texas in a, in a kind of a puncher's chance approach, you know, they were able to manufacture points. I think that's Steve Sarkeesian's MO. Uh, but I thought the, the game was overshadowed in a positive way by the athleticism, the abilities, the touch, the, the arm strength, the explosiveness of Michael Penix Jr. and what he did for those receivers. Uh, he's a he's a product uh, that you, you don't see these often, but that you hope your team in the NFL will, will draft. Yeah, he's one of those guys that uh, you you have two minutes left to go to the game, left to go in the game, or less than really that nervous. You got the ball. You've got three timeouts. You got two minutes left to go, and you need a touchdown. You know, I mean that that, that was kind of the feeling I got with him. Um, uh, you know, so he 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 had 430 yards passing. I mean, guy was flawless all night long, and it was a shootout in the first half. It was a shootout in the first half. Second half, Washington started pulling away a little bit, and Quinn Ewers and company start coming back, field goal by field goal. But uh, at the end of the day, whenever Penix needed to score to create that gap, and, and you talked about this a little bit off air, throughout the season, Washington's reputation is that they don't win by uh, two, two touchdowns. They don't win by three touchdowns. Yeah, they don't win big, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, think you, I, think you hit, I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense that this is a guy that if if your offense needs to manufacture points and you're in a tight spot, nobody better than Michael Penix Jr. Well, you know, I said today uh, off air, you know, you don't know how you're going to respond in a tight football game till you're in a tight football game. How many times have you see it in high school football, you see it in college football, you see it in pro football. Uh, you don't see as many blowouts in pro football, but – when they when games get really tight and you've not been part of many tight football games, I mean it's it's not a it's not a swinging pendulum. You're either going to be real comfortable or you're going to be real tight. And so for Washington, here here's the uh, the list of their games. There obviously in some of their non conferences was pretty big blowout, uh, but Arizona thirty one twenty four, Oregon thirty six thirty three. Arizona State, probably the best defense maybe team all year, 15-7 to win. Uh, Stanford was 42-33, but it was tight until mm. right there at the end. Uh, USC, a 10-point victory, 52-42. Utah, 35-28. Mm. Oregon State, 22-20. Uh, Washington State, 24-21. And then Oregon 34-31 in the Pac-12 championship game. And then, of course, 37-31 in the, in the Sugar Bowl. So, to me, uh, this team thrives. I mean, they, they may be better in tight football games because they the pressure 
I don't know if you call it calloused. I don't know if you call it ready. I, I don't know what you call it. But that that sandpaper doesn't rub them the same way. You know right. what I'm saying? They're they're ready to go. They're ready to do what they need to do. And Michael Penix, just athletically, like he is, he's elite off the bus. But mm-hmm. I think as he gets lathered up, as everything starts working the way it needs to work, he's uh he's a special talent. And and you know I think that that sometimes elite, the goat, all those things come. Those those words happen. This kid's pretty electric. I I, I don't know. You know, TBD on uh, has he seen a defense that can get upfield the way Michigan did against Alabama? But realistically, with his athleticism, do they have enough gas in the tank to go four quarters with this guy? Yeah, and you recited the point totals for all those ball games, and you talked about it a little bit before we covered this game. 47 total points in the Alabama-Michigan game compared to the 68 points that were scored in this ball game, and And – the listeners, they just heard the point totals in all those games you covered. So it, it makes for a very interesting um, championship game because you're going to have a defensive football team. Um, how's Michael Penix Jr. going to operate with a team that doesn't allow but 20 points by, from the University of Alabama? So be interesting. Well, you know, I think if you're Michigan and I'm not, <laughs> uh, I think you've got to watch that uh, – You've got to watch that Arizona tape, uh, or sorry, Arizona State tape. That fifteen to seven, they were able to hold Michael Penix down to fifteen points. I don't, I don't know what they did or, or what he didn't do, but um, but that's that's the only time in in the 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 season that he's been kind of rattled back a little bit. And uh, somebody said today, uh, the difference in this football game is Washington's going to score thirty points. Can Michigan score thirty points? And that's a question mark. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe this is a Tennessee fan in me, but I felt a lot of emotion pour out Monday night with Michigan beating Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can get up twice like that. Right. Maybe you can. And I think if you can, that's why you're a national champ. But to me, um, Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy both said, we're not done, one more to go, all that. And that's that's what you got to say. But at the end of the night, are you ready to get back on the, you know, because it, even in, an, in a loss, Alabama beat them up. There, mm-hmm. was, there was definitely some signs that the tide had been there. Mm-hmm. But uh, can they get back up? And then when Penix starts doing his things, are you going to be able to respond? And then if you do dig a big hole, I don't think Michigan's – I don't think they're equipped to score fast. And I think, you know, Penix is. And so that that may very well be the difference. I I, I tend to, to believe with the guys uh, – and I guess I'm going to share my pick right here right now. Uh, I tend to believe that uh, you're going to have to score more than 30 points to beat Washington, and I don't think Michigan can do it. I'm going to pick Washington. I'm with you, my friend. Um, I think uh, – and I talked about it a little bit. I just think that – this is a very special quarterback uh, that has the ability to manufacture points at will. Uh, he is he is in total control of the offense, and this is going to be a quarterback that Michigan hasn't faced all year, um, and and he's gonna he's gonna cause cause problems for for that defense. 
and, and just to speak a little bit on what you were saying, Wayne, about Michigan and my emotions as a Tennessee fan came out a little bit as well. Um, they, and, and I talked to you a little bit about it. They, uh, a lot, some fans were making comments about, you know, this is the first time that the SEC isn't in the championship game since 2014. Mm. Um, so a lot of people making very, uh, lewd comments about the SEC because we, our conference is not in it. Uh, but you made a very good point to me and I'm going to share it is, uh, you know, I think you said it best. I'm gonna let you say it, but you know, people that, people that, uh, aren't willing to say that to your face, they're just, you know, they're just going to roll it out there. Right. They're just going to roll it out there. You're talking about when I said uh, nobody, nobody, nobody talks about this. The conferences that suck. Right, right. That's the best way to nobody, put it. Yeah. Nobody. You don't say, "Man, look at that, the big bad." And I, I, I appreciate all conferences. I, I, I yeah. think they all have their place. But insert conference name here. Ooh, they're not. Look how they've done in the bowl games. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of conferences that were done playing bowl games by December 28th. I'm just saying here, there's a lot to be said. And and I'm 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 a super big proponent of the transfer portal and the, the opt-outs. It very much impacted a lot of things. It didn't impact Alabama. I take nothing away from Michigan in that regard. But at the end of the day, if, we, if it didn't mean more, if it wasn't the big bad wolf, if we weren't at the top of the hill, it would mean a lot to David Portney. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, you know, every dog's got their day. It's the first time they've been in a championship game since 97, um, and they didn't even get that one by themselves. They got to share that one with uh, Nebraska. So uh, they're, they're, uh, they're due, I guess. They're due for an opportunity. I think if Jim Harbaugh wins it, I think he goes to the pros, my opinion. Uh, but I think if he loses it, he may still need to go to the pros because I don't think the investigation's done on the side <laughs> feeling. So, uh, yeah. But like I said, I pick Washington, which means put all your money on Michigan. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> That's the way it goes. But, uh, but Ben, a- any final thoughts? Obviously, we're going to be kind of tuned in to, to close out college football there Monday night. We'll recap that next week. But uh, – like I said, I, I'm I'm as I'm as salty as I've probably ever been about bowl games just because I don't know. I can't think of outside of maybe Michigan and, and, and Alabama, did we get any bowl games? Well, I mean, and obviously TCU or not TCU, Washington and Texas. See, I am I am not gonna say the Longhorns. It's just not happening. But uh those two games, outside of those two games and Georgia. I don't think we got a representation of anybody's best this bowl season. No, we didn't. And you covered it well about Kirby Smart and the comments he made. Um, I think it's something that the NC I share Kirby Smart's thoughts. Uh, uh, something has to be done, uh, whether you expand expand the playoff uh, or, um, you know, what the product they put out. The, yeah, the product they put out there, people aren't going to watch it next year. Uh, especially after this. They're just not going to oh, watch it. And, well, here's the problem. I think they watch it. I mean, heck, I can tell you this. I'm I'm a sick enough college football fan that if, if you know, 
if it doesn't matter, I'll, I'll watch it just because it's football. But I absolutely will not buy the ticket. No. There, there will be – you might as well uh, – I don't know. You, you could probably do it at high school stadiums from there on out, uh, get them a little bit of revenue because you'll have, you'll have 10,000 people there max. Right. Yeah. So, to me, I think it's going to affect the gate money. I think it's going to affect uh, sponsorship dollars. And honestly, until it starts affecting the profit, nothing's going to change. You're right. Uh, but Ben, another thing, like I said, is we always want to turn the page to the next big orange sport that's taking place right now. It's uh, I call it basketballs. Uh, it's a lot of Tennessee basketball finished up their non-conference slate there last night, defeating Norfolk state, uh, pretty handily as you should, but I'll be honest, Ben, you could tell that there was about three weeks worth of rust that Rick Barnes, uh, very early in the basketball game was beaten off with a sledgehammer. Uh, Zakai Ziegler had a career high, 17 points in the ball game. Um, the, you know, overall, uh, the team did very well and and handily won the ball game, 87 to 50. Uh, so overall, it was a good win. Um, the part the part that concerns me is we did go scoreless for nearly five minutes, missed 10 straight field goals. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about this today. Um, that is concerning that this team goes through these patches where uh, we can't score for five, six, seven minutes. And when you get into SEC play this upcoming week, we got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Georgia coming up. You can't go through those rough patches. Uh, you have right. to be able to find somebody in the huddle that can get you a basket. So uh, hopefully they'll work through that. Uh, that was the only negative that I took from the ball game uh, last night. But overall, a good win for uh, Coach Barnes and the Tennessee Vols. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and, of course, Vol Twitter had a field day with his comment. The head coach of uh, Norfolk State said in his postgame press conference, this will be the last time this year that we are the underdogs uh, as we go into conference play. And I, I kind of I, – I kind of, have the same comment is how bad's your conference? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure most of their players were like, you know, and of course we've got some bigs now, which is not typically in Rick Barnes's MO. But uh I mean, I think maybe their tallest player might have been six five. Yeah. I mean, they were they were not a big basketball team. And again, mid major, sometimes you don't need the length that you you do in in the in the top tier there. But uh good win for Coach Barnes. I'm again a half cup half full if you've if you've watched more than 10 minutes of this episode or really any of our episodes you'll find that out uh to me it's it's business as usual uh get the win that's the important part 20 years from now we're not gonna worry about why he pulled a do or why a waka can't seem to stay on the floor we're gonna worry about that win or that loss and and ultimately if some of that adversity prepares us for conference play it's gonna all gonna be worth it and like i've told you before Nobody is playing. Nobody that wins championships or makes deep runs is playing their best basketball in January. Right. So, it, that's, yeah, that's and, my <laughs> yeah, and and just to uh, back your opinion there, Wayne, you talked about we've got the bigs and Adu and Awaka. Uh, so we we have a block stat of sixty four blocks on the season to the opponent's thirty three. That's incredible. Uh, we almost double blocks. To opponents, so Adu and Awaka um, just really 
denying the basketball down low on defense. Um, I think the the big question mark for us is going to be the three-pointer, something that I've noticed. That's just part of their offense. They're going to shoot the three ball. Um, We shoot the three ball 328 times to the opponent 290. Um, I don't know with that as a fan base and, 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 you know, a lot of my lack of comfortability with that is you got a guy like Zakai Ziegler who he's 19 of 59 from three pointer. He was 50% last night from the field and 50% from three point line shot the ball more than anybody played more minutes than anybody. And he scored 17 points for us. Dalton connect played a lot less than he did. But Dalton Connect, his stats from last night, he was four for 10 from the field. And if you look at a guy like Adu, who leads the team in shooting from the field. So we talk about Adu, 56 of 110 attempts. So Adu, Adu and Dalton Connect shoot the ball from the elbow or down low on the baseline. Sakai so Ziegler last night. Shot the ball five times from or ten times from three-point land, hit five times. I mean, he's 50-50. And then he's 50-50 inside the bat inside inside the perimeter. And I like Sakai Ziegler. It's just you have to understand as a Tennessee fan where it gets frustrating while you're watching the game. This is a guy who leads the team in steals, but also leads the team in turnovers. He leads the team in uh assists as well. Uh, so he's uh He's a guy that you take the good with the bad with Sakai Ziegler. You have to be willing to have those moments where you go, he's going to miss. He's just going to throw it up there, and uh, and we'll see what happens. And see what happens. Yeah. Well, and and the question marks that I have, and and it's been kind of ongoing, and I'm hoping there's not some some over – you know, I hope there's not anything going on here, uh, but it's almost the disappearance – of uh, Santiago Vescovi. Uh, he is not a focal point of this offense as, as we sit here uh, today. Now, is that a, is that injury related? Is that scheme related? Uh, I don't know. J- Josiah Jordan James played 30 minutes and had eight points. Uh, Santiago played 24 minutes, had nine points. And so, uh, and you talked about a walker with 10 points connect played less than both of those guys uh, had 15 points. Uh, so I'm not sure the dynamic there. I do know at the North Carolina game, there was some noticeable frustration out of Vescovy. And so we'll, we'll see how that, that kind of manifests itself going into SEC play. I, I think we've, I don't want to say have a soft opening because Old Miss is always scrappy. So I don't know that I'd ever count them out, but I think it's a winnable basketball game. I think you've got to start SEC play one and oh, and then if you look at that schedule, uh, most of those games were favored, but it may be like 55% win percentage. Not we're, we're not heavily favored in most of those. And I think it comes down to those those six and, and five and, and long periods of not scoring uh, in basketball games. Seems to be somewhat of a trend. So, yeah, I think uh, get that, that sequence down, get that rotation right. And I'll, uh, I'll throw this out there. I think Jemai Mayshack – and Adu's ability to shoot from the block, uh, you got to you got to have that there. It's a safety valve, if nothing else, and it allows it allows defenses to have to fully play inside out. Yeah, I mean, and I said it: 110 attempts, and the guy, the guy has over 50 percent success rate shooting inside the field as Adu. So, 
Uh, keep feeding him the ball down on the block. You know, even that jump shot that he takes from the elbow, if it's wide open, he's going to take it. He's going to hit it. Dalton Connect's looking good taking the ball to the basket. And, and what I like about seeing the ball go towards the basket is typically you're going to get fouled. You're going to put that yeah. opponent in the foul trouble. Um, shooting the three-pointer at the rate that we're shooting and the percentage that we're shooting. Again, I think the key stat for that is that, yes, we have we are 33% successful to, a, to an opponent, 29. So, yes, you look at the stats, you say we're shooting at a higher percentage than what our opponents are shooting, including North Carolina and so on. But we're shooting 328 attempts to 290 on that stat. So we're throwing it up more than our opponents are. And uh, we're not – I think if you take that stat down to 290, we'll probably be below the percentage that our opponent is. Um, so, Well, uh, and, you know, I I think that's an absolute truth. And, and I think you've, you've said it a lot too. Uh, it's when we shoot the three. Uh, we may shoot the three with, uh, you know, 20 seconds still on the play clock. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and you said it best too, Wayne. I think uh, I think Rick Barnes did this last year and not – I think he is doing a little bit of let's try this guy here, let's move this guy here, let's share some minutes, let's try to figure out what works best for our offense – and then when we got into SEC play, you remember what happened? We just started really going after teams. So sure. I'm, I'm like you. I'm I'm hesitant. I have my concerns too early in, in the season, just like you. We're in January here. And, yeah, I get frustrated when I see some, some uh, plays made by the offense. But overall, I'm optimistic about what we're going to see this February. Yeah, I think uh, – I think there's the – 2024. I think I've been saying this for about the last five or six years. Maybe the year of the ball. We may we may just rock <laughs> yeah. and roll. Just just go on with it. Uh, I think we've got a lot, long road with us, but we've got we've got the Barnes boys to to kind of step into next, and then we're not far away. Just a couple months away from Tony V and, and Tennessee baseball. I think that's going to be an exciting season as well. But uh, but Ben, we've uh, we've almost crested that hour mark. Uh, when you target 30 minutes and you're at 58. It just happens, man. But I appreciate you sitting down with me, and, and ultimately, um, hopefully, giving some uh, giving some grace to some of these Tennessee fans that have uh, more questions than answers for football, and then hopefully uh, give them the uh, the hope to watch Tennessee basketball improve over the next few weeks. Appreciate everyone listening. Hey, and this is the first episode of the new year, but not the last as we are going to, we've, we've gotten back on the wagon. Uh, we're continuing to put out material, share it with your friends. If you like it, share it with your friends, if you don't like it, uh, and, and see if they will, but, uh, we're going to put one out next week, but, uh, hope you watch the national championship game again. I picked Washington, Ben picked Washington. So put all your money on, on Michigan. That's what we say. So anyway, if you're listening, if you've made it this far, Come back next week, but until then, grind on.